Welcome back to the Urology Care Podcast. I'm going to let my guest introduce herself now. I'm Dr. Akanksha Mehta. I'm a board-certified urologist at Emory. I am fellowship trained in male infertility and sexual medicine. The bulk of my clinical practice focuses on the evaluation and treatment of uh, male infertility, but also on all aspects of male sexual dysfunction, including erectile dysfunction, orgasmic dysfunction, ejaculatory dysfunction, as well as promoting the recovery of sexual function amongst uh, prostate and bladder cancer survivors. In the simplest terms possible, how would you define sexual dysfunction? So sexual dysfunction is really a very broad term. It can be used to describe any problem that's experienced during any phase of the sexual response cycle, and um, it can prevent either the individual or the couple from enjoying or gaining satisfaction from that sexual experience. And, you know, the the male sexual response cycle uh, encompasses lots of different phases that are linked but distinct. Um, And these include arousal, sexual arousal, um, the actual erection, ejaculation, as well as orgasm. So it can involve any of that really for men as well as the female counterparts of that in women. Is there anything more you want to say about how sexual dysfunction impacts men and women? Yeah, I think the impact on men and women can be wide-ranging. And we we know there's a plethora of data now that states that the impact can be both physiologic as well as psychologic. So in terms of physiologic function, you know, any sexual encounter that results in some aspect of sexual dysfunction informs every sexual encounter that follows that. So it can have impact over time. So if you have one sexual encounter that didn't go quite as well as planned, you sort of take that with you to every other sexual encounter that follows. And uh, certainly impacts, you know, even erections can impact orgasm quality and ejaculation. Um, And in terms of the psychological impact, that is really broad ranging. Um, It can affect interpersonal relationships, interpersonal communication between partners, um, certainly marital discord between partners, depression, anxiety, um, sometimes even extreme outcomes like divorce result from it. So what is low sex drive and what causes it? Low sex drive is, um, again, a broad term used to define um, any setting where there is a decreased interest in sex, and it can apply to both men and women. It's actually quite common uh, among women, less common uh, among men. Um, It can result from a variety of factors, uh, hormonal dysfunction being one, so abnormal levels of testosterone, for example, in men and even women. There can also be lifestyle factors that impact it. So stress, fatigue, other activities that go on during an individual's day, commitment to uh, personal relationships, professional uh, commitments uh, that can impact sex drive. How common are sexual dysfunction issues in men and women? Yeah, they can be pretty common, actually. So among men, you know, the the most common sexual dysfunction is actually um, ejaculatory dysfunction, so premature ejaculation followed by erectile dysfunction, followed by um, 
decreased interest in sex, decreased libido, followed by um, orgasmic dysfunction, including like pain with ejaculation and orgasm. And among women, um, most common dysfunction is really this hypoactive sexual desire that we just alluded to, um, decreased arousal, uh, and then again, pain with intercourse. And overall, in the male population, sexual dysfunction can be prevalent in about 30 to 35% of all men, some aspect of sexual dysfunction. And in women, the rates are actually even a little bit higher, 40 to 45%. So it's pretty common. Can you tell us about menopause and how that may impact a woman's overall sexual health? Absolutely. The menopause represents quite a big change in a woman's uh, life, actually. There are definitely uh, hormonal fluctuations that happen, and there are physical changes that accompany that. Um, In the simplest of terms, and what we see very commonly in the clinical setting, there is a tremendous impact on desire to engage in sexual intercourse. There's also a decrease in pleasure derived from sexual intercourse. Um, and then we can also see, you know, physical manifestations such as vaginal dryness that result from menopause, uh, and that can lead to pain with sexual activity, um, which again, you know, decreases desire to engage in sexual intercourse. So some of it is a self-fulfilling cycle. Can you discuss some of the various treatments that might be available for sexual health issues in both men and women? Sure. So broadly speaking, there are, you know, for both men and women, pharmacological therapies, um, non-pharmacological sexual aids, and then psychological sexual therapy. And then depending on exactly what the sexual dysfunction is, you can sort of mix and match each of these therapies. So let me start with the with the men. And men in particular, I was mentioning um, ejaculatory disorders being very common, followed by erectile uh, dysfunction, followed by orgasmic dysfunction. Certainly looking at hormonal profiles in men as uh, one etiology of sexual dysfunction is important. And if those are abnormal, men can be supplemented with hormone therapies. We definitely have a lot of pharmacological aids both for ejaculatory dysfunction, so premature ejaculation, as well as delayed ejaculation. Um, Certainly for erectile dysfunction, there's a lot of pharmacological therapy, um, drugs like Viagra and Cialis and Levitra and Stendra. Um, And there are non-pharmacological sexual aids, things like penile vacuum erection devices, as well as surgical implants, penile prostheses. I should also mention in the the pharmacological um, options for erectile dysfunction, um, non-oral therapies such as injections and um, intraurethral suppositories as well. And then um, in terms of psychological support, you know, sexual therapists can be really key in working with both individual patients, be they men or women, or couples together in order to pinpoint exactly what the etiology of the sexual dysfunction is. Similarly, in women, depending on the underlying problem, there are pharmacological therapies. So, for example, vaginal estrogen um, is commonly used to help with vaginal dryness and dyspronia, which is pain with intercourse, and that can really improve sexual satisfaction for sexually active couples. 
Um, sometimes hormone supplementation in women is also indicated, and there's a growing body of literature to support that. Um, and then certainly, um, you know, female gynecologic health in general. So women should be seeing their gynecologist, having vaginal exams to make sure there are no other anatomic abnormalities that are contributing to sexual dysfunction. And then again, sexual therapy, like I mentioned, can play a really vital role for female sexual dysfunction as well. Are there any other ways that men and women can be more proactive about their sexual health and well-being that you want to touch on today? Sure. I think I think there are lots of medical factors that play into sexual health. And um, sexual health really is a marker for other things that may be happening or going wrong in the body. Um, we know, for example, that things like diabetes and high blood pressure can really impact sexual uh, sexual function. We also know that um, stress, anxiety, depression can really impact sexual dysfunction independently. Medical diagnoses like sleep apnea can also have an impact. So regular visits to the doctor to kind of uncover these medical diagnoses is really important for both men and women. Um, and understanding that Sexual dysfunction can be an early manifestation of other medical disorders is also important. Um, I think that folks that are able to maintain an overall healthy lifestyle, be that through a healthy diet, regular exercise, anything that they can do that's heart healthy is also healthy in terms of promoting um, a good sexual relationship um, with their partner. So open communication between the two of them is key as well, because if there are any underlying psychological issues or relationship issues, unless they communicate between them, that can continue to be a barrier and pharmacological therapy really cannot address that. And then certainly I think, you know, couples should try to be open to new routines in their sexual repertoire, including the use of pharmacological therapy, including the use of AIDS, new positions um, that can really kind of expand their um, sexual repertoire and help with sexual activity and the pleasure that they gain from it. How about mental issues or emotional issues such as stress? Maybe it's stress at the workplace or somewhere of similar nature, but can these stress issues then lead to sexual problems in men and women? Absolutely. Stress is a very common factor in the patients who present with um, sexual dysfunction in the clinic. And often patients underestimate the amount of stress that exists in their day-to-day life. Work-related stress is one, but there are also stressors in patients' personal lives that people don't recognize. Um, for example, we see sexual dysfunction start to creep up in men in their 30s and 40s, and generally these are men who are relatively healthy from a medical perspective, but you know, they may be at the point in their career where things are really accelerating. They're devoting a lot of time to their work. They're sleeping less. Their schedules are erratic. They are also at the phase of their life where they may have young children at home and have those responsibilities, or they may be taking care of an elderly parent. Um, and these can really add up. Um, often I tell patients, you know, their best um, sexual activity may occur early in the daytime when um the, the stress of their life hasn't really caught up with them yet. Um, but towards the end of the day, there's fatigue from so many other factors that happen that it's not 
um, a total surprise that patients then present with decreased sexual satisfaction. Are there any common misconceptions or myths about sexual health that you can think of or that you want to address during this podcast interview? Yeah, there are a couple. Um, I think in men in particular, one common misconception is the relationship between testosterone levels and erectile dysfunction. We see this all the time. Patients presenting for testosterone supplementation in order to address erectile dysfunction. Um, and certainly testosterone plays a tremendous role in terms of libido, interest in sex, arousal, um, orgasm, and the pleasure derived from that. But it actually has relatively little to do with the actual erection. Um, I think um, patients need to understand that erectile function is so dependent on blood flow, nerve input, that really there are a multitude of other factors that are probably bigger contributors to that than um, testosterone levels. Even things as simple as stress reduction, um, stopping smoking, cessation of alcohol use can have a much bigger impact on their erectile quality uh, without even addressing testosterone levels. So that's one thing I always remember to tell my patients. The second is actually being able to differentiate between the different phases of sexual dysfunction. Many people come in with a complaint of erectile dysfunction because that's what they hear on the TV or read on the internet, but their true problem lies in some other aspect of the sexual response phase. Um, and I think it's important for people to recognize that although the different phases are linked, they're actually very different processes, and it's not a one size it's all treatment um, for treatment, treating with various dysfunctions. And um, thirdly, you know, I, I cannot overemphasize the impact of having a healthy lifestyle. And we mentioned some of the some of the factors here already: stress reduction, working out, losing weight. I mean, these have tremendous impact on both the prevalence of sexual dysfunction and how effectively we are able to treat it. Um, and sometimes patients don't quite appreciate that. This has been a great interview. You've given us a lot to think about. Are there any other final thoughts you have before we end the discussion today? I would just say that sexual connection and satisfaction with sexual function is such an important part of our patients' lives, I would really encourage them to seek out medical care, to speak with their doctor, to speak with the urologist, to speak with the sexual therapist if they're experiencing sexual dysfunction in any way. It's definitely treatable. It's definitely addressable. It's certainly not something that should be ignored. And I'll just have you one last time remind folks who you are and where you practice. I'm Akanksha Mehta. I'm a urologist. I practice at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks so much for joining us on today's edition of the Urology Care Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the Urology Care Foundation, the official foundation of the American Urological Association. For more information on today's topic and for all things urology health, visit urologyhealth.org. That's urologyhealth.org.